There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Tuesday edition of the podcast. We certainly like to welcome each and every one of you listening. We've been dealing with Matthew chapter 19 and this matter of marriage. And the Pharisees came to tempt Jesus Christ, and they came to tempt him with this matter of marriage. And just like others throughout his life would tempt him, uh, you know, who we're going to be married to in heaven and things like that, always concerned about these things. And the reason why is marriage is a very important part of life. Marriage is a great importance in life. And the reality is, in God's eyes, there shouldn't be children without marriage. And yet we need to have children. Of course, there's a lot of children today without marriage. It's one of those sad things that we deal with today, greater than it's ever probably been dealt with in the history of the world, at least in civilization like the United States. We consider ourselves a civilized nation, but yet we act so uncivilized. We put away marriage as though it's such a simple thing, such a flippant thing. We have children without any thought at all of concerning uh, the matter of the children. And most today just try to spread their seed as thick as they can. And of course, it makes the news when it's a celebrity and they boast that. I recently saw a celebrity has children by 10 different women. And this is supposed to be a good thing. He's lauded as one of these great entertainers. And what a vile thing. What a reprehensible thing. We live in a society of fornicators and adulterers and liars. And they lie about the relationships. They lie about girlfriends. They lie about having spouses. All these business trips and uh, men going off on business trips and women going off on business trips and men and women in the office and that sensuality and all of these things that take place. And my friend, it ought not be ever in the house of God. And it's why we've taken the stand that we've taken. It ought not ever be in the house of God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you what the Apostle Paul said about this matter of marriage. And he said in verse 1 of chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And that's a doctrinal statement that Paul makes. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. You realize it would be a good thing if a man never touched a woman. The problem is most of us, myself included in this, have some women troubles. I'm attracted to women. I like women. I've always liked women. And I really like my wife. I'm very attracted to my wife. And my wife bore me three children. I'm still just attracted to her possibly more than I was the day we got married. Now, I realize that wedding night's a little bit different, but as time goes on, some folks say, well, it gets dry, it gets more. I'm very attracted to my wife. I still like women. And I have a feeling that, you know, if I make it to 80 years old, which would be a shock to me, but if I made it that long, I'm still going to like women and I'm still going to be attracted to my wife. And so when he said it's good for a man not to touch a woman, he goes to the second verse and says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Ah, there's the problem. How do you avoid fornication? He tells you, let a man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. And so if you're burning and you're yearning and you're longing and you're, starting, you're letting your mind rest on things you ought not let it rest on, you need to go find your wife, young man. 
then young lady, you ought to just prepare yourself. How do you prepare yourself? Learn how to keep a home. How do you keep a home? You learn how to clean a home, learn how to raise children, learn how to cook, learn how to do the laundry, learn how to take care of the needs of a man so that he doesn't have to worry about those things to be a help meet to him. And then if God blesses you and sends you a husband, you'll be prepared to be a wife of a husband. And then he can go to work and you have the privilege to stay home. You have the privilege to be at the house with your children. You have the privilege to not go shove them off in daycare somewhere if you're prepared the way God wants you to prepare. So to avoid this fornication, let every man have his own wife, every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. That's a problem today too. Women will use that against their husbands. She gets upset with him, tries to hold that over his head. Uh, the term we use, modern terminology, she cuts him off. She's not giving him due benevolence. And that's a major problem, by the way, in a lot of homes, a lot of churches, a lot of families. Probably a lot of preachers got that problem. That wife just tells him no all the time. And it becomes a frustration, becomes a bitterness to him, becomes a jealousy between them because of that. It's a godless thing, but folks don't want to take heed to that. He says, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. Why? They don't have power over the other person's body. Why? You're one flesh. You've been put together. You've cleaved asunder and God's made you one flesh. Now that power doesn't rest in you. That power rests in your home and in your family. That's why there's so much divorce. That's why the woman's contending for her rights and contending for her way. And the man wants his way and his rights. And a lot of folks do step out of the home. Adultery abounds. Even in fundamental churches, adultery abounds. Bible-believing churches, adultery abounds. And there is a difference between the two. And you get to that place where you find out somebody else went into sin. And listen, nobody falls into sin. It's a deliberate, thoughtful thing. And you entertain a thought. It gets into your mind. What happens once you think about it? Once you look, that look leads to lust. What does that lust do? Bring it forth sin. What does sin do? Bring it forth death. Yes, David, that great man of God, that man after God's own heart, cost the lives of three of his sons. We've talked about that many times on the podcast. Why? Because he looked. A man gets a wandering eye, he's in trouble. He's in trouble with his wife, he's in trouble with God, yet it abounds everywhere you turn. And my friend, we're in a day when nobody wants to talk about it, nobody wants to address it, nobody wants to be blunt about it. And my friend, I'm just going to tell you the things that God showed me some things in this passage. We're going to deal with a little bit of that today, and at risk of offending many of you, if not most of you. And we'll get back in Matthew chapter 19 again. In verse 6, he says, wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. So how in the world, if you're one flesh, how in the world you go down and let a judge disannul a marriage? How do you let a judge go wipe it away? And that, by the way, to annul a marriage is simply to go down and legally annul that marriage, okay? And if you have children involved, you can't disannul a marriage. Why? Somebody's paying child support. There's no disannulment. You can annul it, but you're not going to disannul it. To disannul is to make it as though it's never been. And that's what a lot of folks do. They don't have children involved. They get married young, do something stupid. They go both go out, cheat on each other, something like that. They're just, they continue in the dating club and they just disannul a marriage as though it's never been. They just act like it never existed. But yet in God's eyes, it's existed. And people say this, well, what about when I was lost? Well, you don't think that marriage is before God? You don't think that vow of consecration to a woman, you don't think God sees that? You don't think that God notices when lost people pledge to one to another to be faithful to each other and then break that vow? You don't think God sees that adultery? You don't think God considers that adultery? 
You think God just thinks that's fornication when you've pledged your love to a woman and she pledged her love to you and you exchange vows, you exchange rings down the justice and the peace? You don't think that's marriage? You don't think that's adultery? Yes, God thinks it's marriage. Yes, God calls it marriage. You know why? Because you've cleaved to that wife. You've taken residence with that wife. There's a lot of men in trouble with God because this whole, what they call the shack up thing, they pledge to take that woman. They never get out of the justice of the peace, but they live in a house with that woman. That woman lives in a house with them sometimes for years, sometimes for decades. And one of them steps out and they go, and I believe they commit adultery because they committed one to another. And I understand the law of the concubine is in there. Boy, you want to get fundamentalists stirred up. Talk about the law of the concubine today. I found out, buddy, they'll chew your ears off your head. Talk about the law of the concubine, but yet you better go understand what the concubine is. What that law of the concubine is and what her purpose is, because that's what most men have to do. They have a concubine. But then they go step out on that concubine. They go out and find him another one. They go out and just cheat, just open relationships, godless, wickedness, vileness. And by the way, this is in the church. That's why we're talking about this. This greatly affects churches. Because most people today, I've learned, live or have lived in these situations. And yet the grace of God has abounded. The grace of God has intervened. The grace of God has spared them. One of the reasons jealousy abounds so greatly is because there have been people that have cleaved to someone else and then it's been rent asunder and now they have to go cleave to somebody else. And that other party looks at them with jealousy. Why? Because they, they've been hurt. They've been so wounded by this thing of marriage. And I watch people so wounded in marriage, so hurt, I know I've been in relationships. Listen, my wife knows this is no secret. I've been in relationships, some long-term relationship. It was like going through a divorce when it ended, yet it had to be so. It needed to be so. By the way, that was after I was saved. It wasn't a, a wicked relationship. It was a relationship I thought maybe God could use, and it kept me from evil. It kept me from wickedness. Yet, at the same time, my friend, I look back and I realize I went through the emotional distress, the hurt, the burden of a divorce. And you look at people go through that, and then they go through it again and again and again. And the hurt and the sorrow and the angst and the suffering. And then they sit in the house of God, and they just bristle when a preacher says something about divorce. It's because of their own wounds. That's why they have jealousy problems, because of their own wounds. They cannot deal with those wounds. They've never said, I am wrong. I was wrong. I am the destroyer. I'm the destroyer of homes. I'm the wrecker of lives. And oh, my friend, we live in a day when it's prevalent. It's everywhere. It seems like everywhere you turn, people have been destroyed in marriage and multiple marriages and children. And a husband just sits there cowed down by these things. He can't speak. He's brought to that piece of bread. And oh, my friend, if that's you and you listen to this podcast, may God have mercy upon you. May God help you. I've known young men who've taken young ladies that had children out of wedlock, and they've taken them to be their own and loved them and treasured them and nurtured them and cherished them. It's a difficult thing for some men. Some men couldn't do that. I've seen a few, now not many, but I've seen a few go to the marriage altar pure, to God be the glory. I've seen him go down to the marriage altar. He says she, he's pure. She said she's pure. They've never lied in a bed. I know some that never even kissed anybody. They went down to the marriage altar pure. Now listen, every marriage has its own problems, but I know one thing. They don't have the problems that divorced people have. They don't have the problems that those that had their marriage ripped apart have. They don't have the problems that the adulterer had. They don't have the problems that a fornicator had. And my friend, you better take heed to these things. It's so flippant today. It's so indifferent today. Jesus Christ dealt with it. He said, what God, therefore, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. 
How can you say God put this together? Now we went down to the courthouse and the judge disannulled this. And I've seen a lot of church folk do that. I've seen folks get divorced in church. Somebody else get divorced in church and two people in church marry each other. And they say, well, I feel like God brought us together. I remember a lady went down to divorce therapy and uh, she met a man down there and his divorce wasn't even final yet. And they met and she just said, she goes, as soon as I met him, I knew it was God's will for us to be married. And he was already married. He was still married. There was hope for his marriage. But old Jezebel stepped in and then goes around telling me it was the will of God for them to marry before he was ever divorced. And I got a problem with that. And I believe God, you know, it doesn't matter if I have a problem with that. God has a problem with that. A marriage is salvageable. And by the way, anybody can justify divorce. You know, for next to my wife yells at me. It hurts my little feelings. And I got my little feelings in my sleeve. I'm some little effeminate wimp. I can go justify divorce. I can go down to a lawyer and say, you know what? My wife's an angry woman. And he'll say, hey, let's do this. Let's take it. You know, I'll say, well, I could go dwell on the housetop because it's better to do that than to dwell with a brawling woman. He'll say, no, well, let's just get a divorce. Let's just tear this. The judge will help put this asunder. But what about God? What does God say? Where does God fall into this? And they say unto him, why did Moses then command to give her a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Why did Moses command this? Then Jesus Christ answers that, because that's one of the verses a lot of people use trying to justify their being and justify their woman hopping, their bed hopping. That's in church, by the way. And they say, well, I tried so-and-so, and it just, you know, we just weren't compatible, so we tried this. And he said, uh, he saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. The only reason you get divorced today is because of the hardness of your heart. And somebody's got a problem. In fact, Paul talked about that, that same chapter we just looked at. He talked about a man being willing to live with that wife while she might be won by the conversation of that man. That's why a lot of folks don't want to deal with that. I say, therefore, to the married and unwidows, unmarried and widows in verse 8, it is good for them that they abide even as I, if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn under the married, I command... I command, I command married folk, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. That's a command of God from the Lord. That's what Paul said. Let not her depart, but if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. He said, I command this from the Lord. That's the command of God. That's what God says about it. And then we're so flippant, so indifferent. No wonder jealousy abounds and bitterness abounds and marriage are on the rocks and people are so hateful. They're not in this for the long haul. They have a fire escape called the court system. And as long as everything's going good, they're okay. But as soon as things start to fall apart, they run and jump on that fire escape called the U.S. court system, get that bill of divorcement, then blame Moses for giving him a bill of divorcement. But he said, no, it's the hardness of your hearts. That's why. He said, he suffered you to put away your wives, but not from the beginning. It was not so. Why? God said to cleave one to another. Let a man depart from his father and mother. He cleaved them to his wife. That's what God intended, but because of the hardness of their heart. Moses said, okay, here's a bill of divorcement. Go right ahead. You grieve God. You're going to pay a price for this. Is reaping and so That's what I wish divorced folk would just tell young people. There is reaping and sowing young people. Can't they just be honest about that? Thank God. I've heard a few over the years. Thank God for that. Thank God. They just say, hey, young people, listen, you don't want to be like us. 
You don't want to be like me. You don't want this hardship. You don't want this heartache. You don't want this heaviness. And to tell their children, listen, you don't need to do it like this. Daddy made a mistake. Mommy made a mistake. We were sin. Oh, my goodness, young people. Listen, take he Very, I've known a few, but very few have done that. Most spend their time resting these scriptures to their own hurt. Resting these scriptures so they can justify their being, justify their life, justify their sin. Verse 9 of Matthew 19, Jesus Christ himself speaks, says, And I say unto you, Whoso shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. That's the words of Jesus Christ. That's what he said in the Gospel of Matthew. And we'll let that rest where it may. And my friend, we're not here to hurt, we're here to help. And I understand the heartache. I understand the hardship. Listen, I was a latchkey boy, 10 years old. My dad left our home and needed to be put away from our home. There were some issues there, major issues that we had to deal with in our home. And at 10 years old, I became a bitter, wounded, and hurt little boy. And I didn't have a daddy at home anymore. And I'm not here to suck my thumb and to whine about it, but I had no nobody to teach me how to be a man. I had nobody to teach me how to be strong. Nobody to teach me how to have a backbone. I was a godless, effeminate little wimp. And my friend, I lived that way for the next 15 years. I lived that way in bitterness and malice and hurt and envy and just the awfulness of having my parents separated and finding my parents divorced and then having a stepdad come into my life. And we honored him earlier this year on the podcast. He was good to my mom. He was good to us. He passed away back in late February this year. And yet I look at all that hurt and all that sorrow. You know what could have kept that together? If somebody had to just intervene with the word of God and said, you know what? This marriage needs to work. This little boy needs a daddy. And I said, I realize there's some places it can't work. There's times it can't. I don't know if my parents' case could have ever worked. But all my friend, people give up so quickly and they walk away so quickly. And they don't realize the hurt. They don't realize the trail of destruction behind them. And that's why I preach this, my friend. Two days on this podcast, we've just scratched the surface of marriage. We've given instruction. We've given command. We've tried to give wisdom. You know why? Because I sit there and I look at the Word of God through the eyes of someone that was destroyed because a marriage was destroyed. I look at someone who was so wounded because of the failure of a marriage that, oh, my friend, how it wounded me and how it hurt me. And I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be your children. I don't want that to be the other young people. Have a great day. We'll be back on here, Lord willing, tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church. 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up 
for your redemption called not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.